a series called Suit Up, and uh, it's looking at the armor of God, and I've begun this series every week by reminding us of a story from Pearl Harbor, and that is this, if you are familiar with, with American history, in the early 1940s, the world was at war, but America remained at peace, and we didn't expect, didn't plan to be in the war. We supported England some. The world is at war and America is at peace. And suddenly we woke up one day on Sunday morning, December 7th, 1941, and found ourselves at war. You see, Pearl Harbor was bombed. We weren't prepared because we weren't prepared. 2,500 people lost their lives. Overnight, we went from being at peace to being in a war that we didn't plan to be a part of, expect to be a part of, or even necessarily want to be a part of. And whether we like it or not, as human beings, we find ourselves in an invisible war. It's a war for our hearts. It's a war for our families. It's a war for our freedom. It's a war for our purpose. It's a war for our destinies. We believe that not only are heaven and hell real, we believe that angels and demons are real. We believe in a real enemy who looks to kill, steal, and destroy. And we also believe in a real savior who came to defeat that enemy on the cross and rose from the dead and has given us who believe his power and a relationship with him to walk with him. He's given us everything we need in Christ to stand victorious and to fight the battles we face. And then it's kind of painted out in a, picture, in, a, in a picture in Ephesians 6 called the armor of God. And that is what we're looking at in this Ephesians 6 uh, series called Suit Up. I believe this is, could be one of the most uh, pivotal series for our church. God has been speaking about uh, strengthening us to be a people of impact. He's strengthening us this season to be a people of impact. He's strengthening us corporately, but I believe he's also strengthening us individually. And part of that is God training us to fight and win in the war that we all find ourselves in. We want to invite you to track with us in this series and be strengthened through the the equipping of the word of God. You know, back to Pearl Harbor, I had shared that the next day, Franklin Roosevelt, who was our president at the time, came and called our nation forward. And it's interesting that just years before that, he uh, had said the famous quote, that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Interesting, years later, we'd find ourselves at a crossroads of the nation where we would have to lean back on that quote. And we would have to make a decision as a nation whether we would walk in fear in a time where fear was rampant, where there was many questionings, is the West Coast going to get hit? Is Hawaii going to get hit again? What's going to happen? The nation was in fear. And we found ourselves as a, as a nation in a place where we had to decide whether we would walk in fear and retreat or we would find hope and move forward. Now, to kind of move away from America and, and, and that type of war, and the war we are in, the invisible war, whether we walk by faith or by fear will determine whether the enemy's attacks on us will shut us down or propel us forward into victory. He supplied us already with the faith we need to walk 
in overcoming against fear. But we need to learn how to use that faith, and that's what we're going to do today. Y'all ready for that? We're going to go to the Word of God today, and we're going to learn about a faith that overcomes fear. We're going to learn about a faith that overcomes where there's hopelessness. We're going to learn about a faith that is centered on Jesus and the victor, the resurrection power and victory in the cross. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, the passage we've been looking at. If you don't have a Bible, um, some of our team will be walking down the aisle with a Bible in their hand. We'd love to put the word of God in your hand. This is the last chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, again, the context here, Paul has been sharing about the sovereignty of God. He's been sharing about the work of the cross and our salvation by grace through faith. And then he's training us to walk in it. He's teaching us to love our spouses, to love our neighbors. He's teaching us to forgive and to walk in our gifts and to, to nurture and encourage one another. And he's talking about our calling then. And then he ends that entire thing talking about the cross and the sovereignty of God and all of our calling. And he ends it by basically saying, and there's going to be a battle. For you to walk in who you're called to be, for you to make an impact like you're called to make, and for us as the Big C Church and even the local church, we're going to learn, we're going to have to face some battles, and we need to learn how to win. We're talking today on the shield of faith. Verse 16, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, let me talk just for a minute about this shield that we have. It is literally, the shield is faith. So, just a picture of the shield. Again, this is kind of alluding back to the Roman soldiers who were the most vicious and kind of well-known, even to this day, is one of the most well-known trained warriors at the time. Now, that is a picture of the shield they had. Um, it was uh, wide and very long and actually couldn't, when you kind of get behind it, couldn't cover the entire person. 
So it actually, um, the word came, the word that is used here for shield and the word used to describe that actually came from the word door. Because it was literally almost the size of a door that you went to battle behind. And actually, a lot of the surface area was made and covered by animal hide. So there are actually six layers of animal hide that were specifically woven and tanned. And it was literally almost as strong as steel. And that, that hide, because it was done right in six layers, it was extremely long-lasting and durable. Now, because it was, uh, it was covered in, in animal hide, the soldiers had to tend to it daily. They would wake up and they would put oil on the shield to keep the hide fresh. If you wouldn't put the oil on it consistently, what would happen is this shield would begin to crumble and break down and eventually become worthless against attack. On top of that, if you notice, there were not just arrows shot, but flaming arrows shot. One of the reasons that the hide was used as a covering instead of just metal um, was because, because they, they used flaming arrows. And so what they would do with that hide, they would soak the shield in a tub of water all night long. And when they woke up for battle the next day, it was not only anointed with oil, it was washed in the water so that it was literally dripping when they went out to battle so that the darts would be extinguished. Now, there were two types of shields. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But there are two types of shields. I think it is important for us to understand as we kind of set a framework for this. There are two types of shields in that day. One was a small kind of round shield uh, and kind of, you know, maybe something like this big. And it was used more for demonstrative purposes. You know, if you're out in a parade um, or in a celebration, it was kind of more of like a mark of royalty to look nice behind. And it was gorgeous. It was known as these shields were extremely beautiful, right? But they weren't helpful in battle. Now, there's another word used for the kind of shield that Roman soldiers use, and I believe the Holy Spirit was intentional to select this word when Scripture was written. Because the type of shield used in, in, in battle with the Roman soldiers and the type of shield that this passage is, is alluding to is far different. It was sturdy, like a, the size of a door. It was strong. It could extinguish flaming arrows. Right? It may not have been in pretty, as pretty, but you could take it to war. And when we talk about our faith, I think there's, there's having faith, right? There's having faith, I, I have my faith, or um, I, uh, and then there's faith that looks good to people, right? It looks good on Sunday morning, it looks good as, as we go throughout the day, but when the battle comes, it's not ready. And then there's a type of faith that when the devil's knocking on your door, that when you're in the trenches of life and you've hit a hard spot, there's a type of faith that when hell is breaking loose, that is a type of faith you take up and extinguish the arrows of the enemy with. That is a type of faith that you take up and conquer your enemies with. That is a type of faith that works. 
So when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about a nice feeling or a good idea or something that looks nice to other people. We're talking about a faith that works in real life. That is the kind of faith that this scripture is telling you that you got in Christ. A faith that works when you need it the most. Because if this is just a nice idea or a good discussion for our small groups, a nice study, and this stuff doesn't work, it's no good. But God gave us the real stuff in Christ. And that's good news. You got a faith in Christ that was given to you that really works. So let me talk about faith because he connects the shield with faith. So I think there's some confusion when we talk about faith. So I want to give it a little bit of a definition. One definition would be complete confidence or trust in someone or something. Complete confidence or trust in someone or something. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, let me take it a step further. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Let me give us a definition here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, let me start by saying, how do we know what we are hoping for and how do we know what is real, but we do not see. What is it that our faith is resting on or hoping for? How do we know that? I want to remind us that when the shield is not being used in the battle moment, it would rest on the belt. There was a clip, and if you remember what the belt is, the belt of truth, right? So literally, the shield of faith rested on the belt of truth. Now, what is our faith founded on? Is our faith founded on a good feeling? Is our faith founded on a good circumstance? No, our faith in our walks with God is tethered to the truth. If you're going to find faith, you need to find truth. Because you can have faith in a circumstance and it go away pretty quickly. Right? So faith is not necessarily a feeling. You can feel full of faith and have none. Or you can feel like you don't have a ton of faith and have it. So our faith, if our faith is tethered to our feelings, it is going to go up and down like that roller coaster that I talked about, I believe, last week. But if our faith is tethered to the truth of God's word and the truth of who he not only says he is but really is, our circumstances can go up and down, our feelings can go up and down, but our faith will remain unshaken because his word and his truth never changes. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always at the height of his power. You might be as low, but he's always at the height of his power. He's always doing well. He's always on. He never sleeps or slumbers. He's always looking out for you. He's always shepherding you. He's always caring for you. That's where my faith is. I may not feel like that always, but when I am down, I don't just need to feel better. I need God. Sometimes the feelings will follow in a line. Sometimes they don't. But where I got free from some of my ups and downs is when I quit trying to feel better and I started pursuing Jesus in it, whether I felt better or not. 
Faith is founded in our word, in the word. And I literally love that picture of the shield being clipped on. It's literally hanging on truth. Our faith hangs on the truth of God's word. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Okay, so back to Hebrews 11, 1. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. I love those words. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. It is that I know that I know that God is who he says he is despite my circumstances. It is an assurance. It is a conviction that goes deeper than your feelings. It goes deeper than our circumstances. I love one translation that says, it is the substance of things hoped for. When I think of substance, I think of something I can stand on. Something that I can be assured of. My faith, if my faith is founded in the word and that is a rock, I can stand on that and build some real substance of faith around the truth. Right? I can stand. This stage isn't going anywhere. I can stand on it. I can jump on it. I can get pushed on it, but I'll dig in, you know. It is, it is solid, right? How much more solid is God? I mean, let me just kind of use an illustration of how that looks. Think of Peter for a second walking on water. Now, Peter was a fisherman. He was an expert on water, right? He knew all about water, and he knew that if you're trying to walk on it, you're going to sink like a brick, right? But yet Jesus says, hey, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And so in that moment, Peter had to decide whether he was going to go with everything inside of him that was screaming, this doesn't make any sense. My circumstances don't make any sense. My fears are freaking out because if you go out in a storm, you can literally die. Or am I going to trust that there is a higher reality that is the substance built around the word of God? And what happened? Water was literally like a substance that he walked on. There was a higher reality than the physical. There was a higher reality than the world around him that he could see, taste, and touch. Because you see, the world was framed by the word of God. And if so, the word of God framed the world, what is happening in the natural is dependent on the word of God, and God can move things around however he wants, anytime. If he wants you to walk on water, you might walk on water. Because there is a reality that is bigger and higher than what you can see, taste, or touch. And we know that reality by the truth of God's word. And his faith is tapping into that truth and beginning to walk in a reality that is higher than what you're feeling or seeing around you. Faith says, my senses tell me one thing, but God is saying another thing, and I'm going with God. Faith will look at a place that says, hey, seems like God doesn't care about me, but will say, he leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. I will feast in the presence of my enemies. When life looks like God isn't good, faith says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
when everything around us makes us tired and we want to focus on ourselves, we stand in the truth that he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. When we feel like, man, does God really love me? Faith says, no, 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 for God so loved the world. No, no, no. While I was a yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Faith says, man, I know this is hard. I'm not denying the reality around me. I know this is hard, but he has been faithful. He got me to this point. He sustained me. He's got air in my lungs today. He who sustained me this far will get me forward. What I don't see is more real than what I do see. A God that I can't see is more real than what I feel or don't feel. And when we start to put our hope and our actions in alignment with the truth of who God is, rather than what we think or feel, it gives us access into God's promises and participating in them. It's faith that gives us access to what Jesus did in the cross. It's faith that gives us access to this not just being, you know, something we read and study, but a reality around us that we, we walk into and inherit his promises and experience and know God. It's faith that gives us access to the power of God. When we start to align our natural beings to his supernatural being, his supernatural being and power can flow through us. It starts by having faith. When we have faith, life can be shaking. We're beginning fires going on around us, but we know that with faith we can stand firm, as this passage is saying, and not be shaken. That is why faith is a shield. Everything can be burning around you. Life can be, you know, going crazy. But if you have faith, you can stand firm. If you're in battle and you're getting attacked, but you have your shield up, you can stand firm. Faith is a shield. But I think so often we don't take up our shield because we don't understand or recognize the nature of the battle that we're in. So let me talk about these fiery darts for a second. Now, you know, if you're in a nerf, I don't think that's what he's talking about, a little dart, you know, a little thing. He's talking about arrows. In fact, there were numerous types of arrows used um, back in that day. One was just a regular arrow that was shot. Another one was a flaming arrow. But then another one yet was kind of these exploding arrows. There were just different types of fluids that they would put on these arrows that they were not only flaming, but that when they would hit their target, they would explode and cause fire to spread. That is a type of arrow that, I, that scholars believe that this passage is talking about. Flaming, exploding arrows. Now, if you remember the shield you have, if it's washed and soaked with water, those arrows will be extinguished, not just deflected, they'll be extinguished. But if you're not prepared, what will happen, you know, and even, even back then the scholars would say the arrows would look like they weren't that big a deal, so people would kind of just treat them like normal arrows, and all of a sudden there'd be an explosion that hits when the first one hits, get caught off guard. And what would happen is fire would spread and send everyone into kind of panic and frenzy. But listen, when you're on fire, you're not so much thinking about advancing the battle, you're just trying to save yourself. <laughs> you're just trying to care for yourself, right? And that is the tactic of the enemy. 
to throw these flaming darts and just cause panic and frenzy in the camp. So his plan is to launch these flaming darts in the middle of our weak places of our mind and our heart. And to cause chaos in our emotions. He can access right, right kind of through, through the, the weak places and cause chaos. He'll stir up. That dart will hit you. A circumstance will hit you. Someone will say something. And if it hits a weak spot where your faith is down, your shield is down, all of a sudden, pff, insecurity. All of a sudden, pff, anxiety. All of a sudden, pff, whoa, my world is falling apart. You're like, i got to breathe here. i got to step out for a minute. I'm worried about everything. My life is falling apart. What's happening? God could have totally done the biggest miracle yesterday or right before that. But all of a sudden, if you feel like you're on fire and your emotions are all stirred up and cooked up and working up, you're like, well, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden, you're not only taken out of the battle, you literally feel like, I don't have any armor, I'm going to die. And that is the tactic of the enemy. To penetrate our places our faith is down and to shoot through the weak places of our mind and our emotions that are not renewed in the truth. We'll, get about that. we'll talk about that next week. And hit us and stir up our emotions. And oftentimes I think we get hit sometimes on the daily because we don't walk with our shields up. This passage says to take up the shield of faith. To take up. It means we can lay it down or we can take it up. Or not only to take it up, it says that in all circumstances take up. Now that word literally means, uh, that, kind of, that, that means right there to when it says in all circumstances, it means to cover all or out in front of all. Right? So put out in front of all the shield of faith. Keep faith out in front. Keep your faith leading you. Keep your faith out in front of you. Not just strapped to your back. Not just on the side as kind of a, a good look, you know. But you've got to take up your faith and put it in front of you. Okay, now let me kind of put this all together for us here. <clears throat> when we take up our shield of faith, which can cover our entire being, the enemy can shoot at us all day long, and those things are going to be extinguished. When we have our shield in front of us, when we have faith in front of us, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus and his promises, the author and finisher of our faith, the enemy can fire darts, and they can be extinguished, extinguished, extinguished. So you've got to understand he can't get us if we don't allow him. He was already defeated on the cross. Colossians 2.15, he was stripped of his powers by the cross. So he doesn't technically have power over us. He only has as much power as we allow into our lives. These flaming darts sound crazy and just flaming explosions, right? But they're only as powerful as you allow them to be. Right? He doesn't have power. We take up our shield of faith. It doesn't mean that our life is all together. It means that our faith has moved from ourselves to Jesus. So it's not like I'll get it in my life together and I'll have a shield of faith. No, no, no. Quit trusting in yourself and quit trusting yourself to get it together. Start putting your faith in him. Start putting your faith in him and put your shield up. Now listen, once you have your shield of faith, once your faith is in front of you, what can you start doing? You can start walking forward. You can start walking forward. 
right? This is not just this defense of like, oh my goodness, I'm in this terrible battle. I'm just going to sit here and hopefully nothing gets me. And I just got to like go to work and not like scream at my coworker and like not cuss at everyone. And like, I'm going to be a good Christian. How am I doing this? And life is so hard and I'm out of money. And what is it? You know, yes, it's defensive, but we are called to take ground. It is not a standing by faith, although that's part of it. It's a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith. What this shield allows you to do is not only not be, is not only be protected from the attacks of the enemy, it allows us to advance into the enemy's territory and not get killed along the way. If you don't have faith in front of you, you may not be walking and advancing. But when you have faith in front of you, your shield up, you can not only be protected, you can take ground and walk forward. Because you know that God will be faithful. You know that God will fulfill his promises. You know who your Savior is. In Antioch, because we're Christians, we are an advancing people. We not only want to not sin, we want to take ground in our marriages, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in the city, in the nations of the other. We are called to be in this war an advancing people because we have the best news ever. And listen, when you have your shield in front of you and you're walking forward, you better believe the enemy is shaking in his boots. You might think, oh, this little defensive weapon. But when he can't do anything to get you, because he's already been, he's just taking pot shots. He was stripped of his power. So he's just taking pot shots to try and stir you up. To try and think, oh, God's not going to be faithful to you. Oh, look, you're always going to be rejected. Look, God's not going to provide for you. So he's just back there taking these pot shots. But when you got your shield up and you start walking at him, that is the scariest thing he's ever seen. Other than the cross itself is a Christian with Jesus inside of us walking into the enemy's territory and taking ground. The enemy starts shivering in his boots. He is freaked out of Christians that believe the finished work of the cross. Now, in this process of starting this church, there's been times where I felt like a little knocked off my horse. As well as really the rest of my walk with the Lord. There's been times I felt a little knocked off. There's been times I got a little tired along the way. There's been times when the Lord, we moved across the country, barely knew anyone. We're just living in faith and finances and faith in this area. And, and is this thing going to work or is this going to be okay? Is this going to, you know, there's been times I've kind of wanted to sit down in the middle of the battle where something didn't go planned here. Or I felt discouraged over there or whatever. And during those times, I had to meet with God. And those times I had to meet with God. And what happened is not only did I meet with God and remember who he is and restore my faith in his word and who he is, I came out with more faith. I came out saying, all right, I'm either going to retreat in fear or I'm trusting even more in who he is and I'm going forward and taking new ground. The enemy will take your faith crises, the enemy will take your trials to deepen and train your faith. So I want to say if you're in a trial here, you're in training. If you're in a difficulty, the Lord is teaching you how to put your faith out in front and he's training you for what is ahead. 
Don't dictate your future calling and impact by your present circumstances. Don't dictate the faithfulness of God by what he isn't doing yet with your eyes. Dictate that by who he says he is and start walking in alignment with that. Because ultimately, faith is just applying the word in our life. Ultimately, faith is just saying, all right, whether I feel this or not, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. This is who he says he is. I'm not waiting for a feeling. I'm not waiting for some cloud to part. I'm just this is who he says he is. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to walk in it. So God is training us. And I can say I, I trust the Lord more than I ever have. And I'm loving it. I am loving it. Because I'm learning how to walk with my shield in front. I wouldn't trade those trials for anything. Because he's training me for battle. And man, I'm just getting started, baby. And so are you. So are you. <clears throat> so how do you maintain faith? It's the last segment here. How do you maintain your faith? How do you keep your shield? Because let's face it, there are times we get tired. There are battles we feel like we have lost. There are times we've gotten knocked off our horse, and that includes me. And I know I will still face battles ahead. There are times that we get tired. How do you maintain faith? Again, I want to remind you that the Roman soldier had to care for their shield daily. They had to care for their shield daily. They wake up in the morning, they put oil on the shield, right? It would start to break down if they didn't. And before battle, they would overnight soak it in a tub of water. And just kind of what, what, what do those things mean possibly? Number one, when you think of the water that can extinguish the flaming darts, Ephesians 5.26 calls it like this. He said, it says, just one chapter earlier, washing by the water, I'm sorry, by the water, let me start over. Ephesians refers to water like this. It says, by the washing of the water of the word. By the washing of the water of the word. But if our faith is founded on the word of God, the word of God can't be absent and we have high faith. We're fooling ourselves if, if man, we got the word for a little bit and then we feel good and we're just coasting but not feeding our faith with the word of God. We're going to find ourselves caught without, with a little less faith than, we, faith than we thought all of a sudden. We need to feed our faith with the word of God. We need to nurture it. We need to sit in it. We need to meditate on it. Joshua, before he went into battle, right, the command wasn't just, hey, feel better or feel courageous. No, it was be courageous. How are you going to do it? By meditating on the word, Dana. You got to keep it in front of you. You got to keep it on your mind. You got to keep it in your heart. You got to marinate in it, right? So we want the word of God washing us consistently to build up our faith. And what happens when you got the word of God inside of you and the enemy throws a pot shot at you that used to just throw you in a complete spiral? You're like, nope, this is what the word says. Got you, enemy. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. We need to be saturated. I love that picture, soaking overnight. We need to be saturated in God's word. How about the oil of the spirit? They took the oil on every morning and rubbed it over their shield. That tells me that we need frequent anointings of the Holy Spirit. We need frequent anointings of the Spirit. We need frequent fillings of the Spirit. Again, one chapter earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, 
Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That phrase literally means to be continually filled with the Spirit. You ever been in a tough time and you start worshiping Jesus and you take your eyes off what's going on and onto who he is? Things just start to fall off. Your heart starts to go from kind of being that hard, you know, crusty thing that I was talking about with the shield earlier that hardens up, and it starts to become soft. It starts to believe again. It starts to hope again. That is the Holy Spirit's work in you. We, not, we need to not just go off yesterday's touch from the Lord, but we need to come to Jesus today. We need to talk with him. We need to focus on him. We need to receive from him, not just talk about him. We need to go to him and talk to him face to face. We need frequent anointings of the Holy Spirit. Man, you've got a powerful shield. You've got a powerful shield, but if we don't, care for it, it'll start to disintegrate, right? So the enemy's already been defeated. So let me kind of say it like this. The devil and his, you know, cronies are actually not our real problem. Sure, they can cause problems, but they've already been defeated. I will go so far to say that our real problem is not maintaining our faith and putting it out front. We can have the best gift of faith in the world from the Lord, and he can be defeated on the cross, but if we're not feeding our faith with his word and his spirit, those, animals, those, those arrows will come right back in. So we can't abdicate the blame for our cracks in our faith at the enemy. Ah, oh, the devil did this. And I just, you know... It's just been so, I mean, so much warfare. No, we're going to take up the responsibility to be prepared. We're going to take up the responsibility, you know, we're going to put on the shoes from last week. We're going to take up our shield that is our responsibility. It doesn't say, let your neighbor take up the shield for you. It doesn't say, you know, it says, no, you take up your shield of faith and put it on. And let me just say one last kind of beautiful thing here. Because there are times we are tired. There are times we're and I'm in the word, I'm praying, I just, and I am going through it, man. My faith is low. <clears throat> what they would do is they would line up next to each other, and they had hinges where they could connect their shields to one another. And they would line up, and they'd actually go eight rows deep. So if you've you got a Roman army coming at you, you literally have a wall of shields interconnected eight rows deep coming at you. That's what you see. There are times you need to lean into the faith of the community. There are times where your faith will be low and someone else's will be high. There are times where someone else's, or someone else's faith will be low and yours will be high. We're not made to do it alone. That's not how this journey works. You can't defeat an army as one person. But when you walk in community, when you link yourself with others, when you connect your faith to other people, you start drafting off one another's faith, all of a sudden, your faith goes through the roof. There are times we need to carry one another. There are times we need people to help us lift our shield of faith up and say, man, I am in a battle. I need some prayer. I am in a battle. Come over, pray with me. I'm in a battle. Send me some scriptures, whatever. There are times we need others to hold up our shield alongside of us. And I love that picture. When we do that, there's literally a wall 
that is impenetrable of the enemy. And that is the church. That is what we look like when we are walking in faith and doing it together in this city. The enemy that's trying to destroy lives in this place, so man, over at Antioch Community Church, a wall that's impenetrable. Or over there, whatever church built, a wall that's impenetrable. And then picture that wall eight, eight rows deep coming at you with swords ready to take you out. You better believe that freaks the enemy out. Matthew 16, 18, that's what, we're, that's what we're about. That's what we're made for. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's not like gates are going to attack us and knock us down. No, it's saying that we are people as a church. We will come with our shields in line, walking in faith towards the same direction, and we will break through the gates of injustice in our city. We will break through the gates of darkness. We will break through the strongholds in our community. We will love those who are unlovable. We will love our neighbor. We will see restoration. We will see salvation. We're not trying to just make it. We're a forward advancing people. But it's not going to happen by ourselves in our one-on-one faith walk. And it's not going to happen if we don't put our shield, our faith in front of us. Now, I know when I'm saying this, some of us, uh, we don't always feel like we have high faith in this room. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are tired in the race of life, in the race of walking with Jesus. I think for many of us, we've been shot in the back, we've been shot in the chest, we've been hit in the head, and we're hurting. Some of us, we feel like we're on fire right now. Like, man... I'm trying, I just, I'm coming to church on fire. I've just been shot. This thing exploded on me. You know, I just feel like a piece of junk. I'm just here to love Jesus. I want to say, man, you're in the right spot. Because Jesus is here. And I think in those moments, we're running this race, and we feel like, man, can I even finish this race? Can I even keep going? Look at, I broke my ankle, man. I'm not going to just go on without me. Man, I'm hurting. I believe God's word would say to us this. Since we're, Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Now listen, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's not your faith, it's his. And he's the founder of your faith, he's given to you. And he's a perfecter of your faith. He's writing your faith journey. He's writing your faith story. And running the race in the midst of our injuries and arrows sticking out our back, whatever we've got going on today, is not contingent upon you fixing yourself. It's contingent upon you saying, all right, I'm called, I'm shot, my ankle's broken, but I'm lifting my eyes to him. It's that coach that comes alongside or that parent that comes alongside the track meet and says, you've got this. Keep your eyes on me. You're made for this moment. You're hurting. You're in pain. But you are made for this, and we are going to finish this together, and I'm running every step alongside of you. I wrote your faith story. I'm writing it. I'm going to keep feeding you more faith, but run this race alongside of me. That's what he's inviting you to do, to lift your eyes today. 
we're hurting, and we're shot, someone's stuck around fire, we're frustrated, we got marriage conflict, we got roommate conflict. Some of us, we've just looked inward and said, I gotta take all these arrows out, and I know I'm probably gonna get my head cut off anymore, but I, just gotta, I gotta sit here in my pain and figure this out and take my arrows out, and just we start to retreat and go back and back and back, and all of a sudden we find ourselves isolated. Lord said, hey, quit trying to self-protect because you'll never figure it out on your own. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the one that gives you faith. It's his faith. Look to him. Look to his word. Look to his spirit. He's coming alongside you. He's encouraging you, and he's going to give you strength you never knew you could have. Today, we want to lift our eyes to Jesus as we come. Let's stand as we end.